0: not about what the outside world thinks it's about what does you know what do you have in that room and the best man wins and give everybody a shot at it the outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a monday morning they don't see that progress but but we as coaches do well regardless of what the outside world thinks we, we believe a lot in our defense
1: welcome back to the outside world the athletics ou football podcast i'm jason kersey uh Thank you so much for joining. I'm going to be joined today by John Hayes, who was my co-host throughout the season. And uh, he's going to be asking me some questions. We're going to do this in kind of a... a I, I don't know, John. How do you want to explain this?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting, and by the way, it's great to be back on the show. Yeah, and, thanks for joining. Um, it's it's the perfect time to kind of dive into OU's signing class. You know how um, things have changed over the last couple of years, and this the second signing day, if you will, is an opportunity to to maybe pick up the scraps, uh, finish off your class, and and I know a lot of readers had questions. I read your story. One final look at Oklahoma's 2020 recruiting class, which was especially good on the offensive line. And you know, one of my, th- my one of my favorite things to do, Jason, on the Athletic, honestly, is go into the comments section. We have we have so many subscribers who are in the know, who really know not only Sooners football but across the board. Um, you know, I'm a big I'm a Penn State graduate, so I'm, I'm always reading Audrey Snyder's work, and and getting into her comments is 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 interesting for me. So so part of what I want to do was read you some comments and 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 get your reaction to that
1: yeah yeah no that sounds great um i need to do a better job of responding to the comments on the athletic because the truth is we have some of the smartest readers and i'm not just saying that to pander i mean that right. sincerely we have very very smart readers on the athletic
0: totally totally agree and um and by the way you you, you know the drill the athletic.com slash the outside world if you want to be a subscriber um, come on board, be able to ask Jason questions and, and read all of his good work. And, and this article here that I mentioned is behind the paywall. And, and recruiting today is probably more important than ever in this sport. If you, if you go across the Athletic College football's marketplace um, on the Athletic, you will see so many interesting stories about how recruiting has changed, how in-state recruiting maybe has become less of a priority, Um, for these head coaches across the country and the internet has really been able to shrink the country and 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 people from california are going to the east coast people from the east coast are going out to the to california so there's so much to learn there's so much to read and i want to start with this this ou 2020 class and ask one simple question when oklahoma's ranked 11th in the country how do fans feel about that? Is that a good place for this program to be? Because being in the top 10 traditionally means that you're going to compete for a national championship. Being
1: outside the top 10 traditionally means you won't. Right. I mean, it's tough. I I, I don't think that anybody wanted to see that. If you're a, if you're no OU fan, you want them to be in the top 10. They've been in the top 10 three years before this. So they had been... Better about all of that, and then all of a sudden they're number 11. I mean, I think there's some reasons for that. I think they were filling specific needs, I think that's part of it. Um, They did not sign the five star Spencer Rattler level quarterback this year. Um, They signed Chandler Morris, who I think is a very nice player and and could end up being a very good quarterback uh, for the Sooners maybe someday, but he's obviously doesn't come with the same hype. He's a three star. That, uh, that that a Spencer Rattler does, I think that that affects it. So there's a lot of factors that go into those sorts of things, but um, generally speaking, yes, you want to be in the top ten. And when you're not, that's that's t- typically seen as a as maybe a bad sign. And the truth is, if OU had gotten some of the guys that they wanted, that they had committed before, that they went after late, then perhaps they would be in the top ten. But uh, you know, they, they didn't get Dre Butler, the JUCO defensive lineman who ends up going to uh, Auburn. They didn't get uh, Alfred Collins, the defensive lineman out of the Austin area who ended up with the Longhorns. So, I mean, there, there, there were things that could have pushed them up into that top 10 that just didn't happen this time. Did
0: you get a chance to, to talk to Lincoln Riley and, and Alex Grinch last week?
1: No, no, they did not have a press conference last week. I, um, I was actually in Nashville last week with uh, Reggie Grimes, the, the defensive end, signing the four-star kid who was committed but didn't sign early. I kind of wanted to go write about why he didn't sign early and, and write a profile of him. So I was, I was in Nashville last week, but they did not have a press conference. We're actually going to have a press conference with Lincoln this week on Wednesday. Uh, with Lincoln and then also the two new assistant coaches, DeMarco Murray and jamar kane but uh, so we'll get to ask Lincoln all those kinds of questions uh, here in a couple of days.
0: Gotcha I had a dreaded a dreaded two part question for you, but you already answered my first one why they didn't have a a press conference last week that seemed standard across college football uh the the delay of a week why
1: man, I don't know. I don't know why they do do the things that they do sometimes um. <laughs> Maybe it's just because they only signed a couple of guys, and and uh, if he'd done a press conference last week, the questions would have mostly been about the new coaches. So maybe he wanted to give it a little time. And he did do a press conference on the first signing day in December. You know, last year he didn't do a press conference at all on for for signing the second signing day. Um, so I, I think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because the second signing day wasn't a big deal. Maybe Lincoln hates us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the matter. No, Come on, he you know he's a, no no. He respects, he, he respects the work you do. You know, no, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm, that was a that was a complete joke. Um, no, I I don't uh, you know I I don't know the the reason uh, other than they just didn't sign. You know, they, there were no surprises. There were no. You no, know, they signed Reggie Grimes and Joshua Eaton, two kids who had already been committed. So it wasn't like there was anything you know, I don't know just wasn't really like there was anything I guess in his mind to talk about now there still was, those we we didn't get to talk to him about those two kids during the first one, we didn't get to talk to him about Chandler Morris during the first one because that signing came um, or that announcement of the signing came uh, at the Under Armour game so uh, there there were a lot there, there are going to be a lot of interesting things to ask Lincoln about for sure Fantastic. That's
0: something for OU fans to look forward to this week. Uh, Press conference on Wednesday. Jason will be there. He'll cover it for for The Athletic, um, as he always does. Tell me about your trip to Nashville. Um, What was it like uh, meeting with uh, this new signee?
1: Well, it was great. Uh, It was my first time in Nashville. I've been to Memphis. I've been to Knoxville, but I'd never really spent any time in Nashville. Hung out on uh, Broadway a little bit. Um, Smart man. Which was uh, which was uh, an experience. I, I right when I got there, I heard somebody describe it as uh, Bourbon Street, but with country music, um, <laughs> and that's you know that's not not terribly far off. Although there there wasn't the smell of vomit um, any, you know, that, that you typically see on Bourbon street, but, uh, no, all, all seriousness, it was a lot of fun. Um, but no, the reason I was out there was not to drink on Broadway. It was to hang out with, with Reggie Grimes. So, um, no, I, I, I got to hang out with, it, it was a really interesting trip. I got there on Tuesday, the day before signing day, and I actually went out to, um, uh, Reggie's little sister was playing in a b- high school basketball game, so I went to uh, watch the game with his family. And right when I get there, I sit down next to them, and, and uh, one of the first things they're, they start telling me is that I guess there had been a social media rumor that he was going to flip to Georgia on signing day. and uh, And they didn't say it wasn't true, so I looked at the younger Reggie Grimes, and I said, uh, are, are you doing that? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, if you do that, I've wasted this entire trip. <laughs> but uh, he, he laughed. He's like, no, no, of course not. They just thought it was funny that uh, you know, throughout that month, there were, there were just rumor after rumor after rumor uh, about them because they chose not to sign on the early signing day.
0: Why not? Did, it, did you ultimately learn why he waited?
1: I think there were a, there were a, there were a few reasons. Uh he told me that it was always the plan for him to sign late. He always wanted to sign in the February signing period, so that was part of it. Um his grandparents live in Tampa, Florida, and uh he wanted his entire family to be there for the signing. If you uh if you read my story on the Athletic, uh you see that this is an extremely tight-knit family. Um no kind of kind of kind of over the top a little bit maybe and they acknowledge that but uh but it's sweet it's cool too and then um and then the uh the last reason was I think he wanted to give himself an out if Lincoln Riley did take an NFL job which is completely understandable if you're a kid who's highly recruited and highly ranked and all those things enough to wait and you're not gonna enroll early then why why wouldn't you
0: that's a great point and I'm glad that you brought that up because you you can't blame a kid for that. I mean, the Lincoln Riley's name. Now, was it realistic to think about him coaching the Dallas Cowboys? Probably not, but his name was being mentioned with that with that job. And if you're a young kid and you, we hear all the time, commit to the culture, commit to the to the school, don't commit to the coach. But at Oklahoma, I mean, it's hard not to, especially um, a young guy who who sees the success that lincoln riley has had who is who has seen the, the players get drafted out of his his system and you say to yourself man i want to i want to play for that guy it, it, so lincoln riley is someone who i think really uh, i'm not advocating to, to sign with a coach um, i do believe recruits should should sign with the school the academic culture that fits them properly the the social culture that fits him properly but Let's not be naive here. I mean, Lincoln Riley is somebody that you want to play for.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he is. He's uh, and, and when you have a head coach like Lincoln who is so involved in recruiting, I mean, it's unlike in some ways what Bob Stoops was at least the last probably five or ten years of his time. He wasn't. He was more of the closer. He wasn't the guy who was developing the early relationship and all those sorts of things. Um, Lincoln is that guy, and so, you know, when when you're that kind of a head coach, of course, the the you are a reason why they're coming. You're a big reason why they're coming. So it's completely understandable. And again, when you're a guy on his level, that is just ranked as highly as he is, you know, you have a little bit more. maybe a little bit more leverage when it comes to that. You can say, I don't want to sign early. So um, now maybe if you're, you know, in a, 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 a one of the guys who's maybe recruited lower or, uh, you know, doesn't have as many opportunities, doesn't have many offers, maybe it's uh, a little bit harder for you and you do need to go ahead and get signed so that, so that they have to give you that scholarship uh, in December and nothing can happen. But when you're Reggie Grimes, you, you have a lot more uh, leeway.
0: So he'll be playing for Lincoln Riley, of course, but on a day-to-day basis, he'll be working more closely with uh, a person who we talked about a lot this this past year in his debut season as Oklahoma defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Uh, what type of impact immediately can he make on on Alex Grinch's his defense and and a defense that is 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 Possibly improving in, in many different ways. I want to get into the the conversation about secondary and his ability to add some height at that position. Um, uh, really, height was a place that that Oklahoma was really lacking, and you could tell in that game against LSU. But first, let's let's talk about Reggie Grimes. What type of impact immediately do you think he can make?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be real. I mean, he he is the kind of guy. He's a he's a A really good pass rusher he's fast he's strong he's all of those sorts of things and if you look at OU's defensive line right now the starting end is obviously going to be Ronnie Perkins but then there's this big glaring suspension hanging over him I mean we're talking about it wasn't just the peach bowl that he was suspended for you know unless something crazy happens unless there's some kind of Crazy uh, appeal that actually goes through, which I don't think there will be. Uh, Ronnie Perkins will not be playing in the first five games next year, which is a huge loss for OU, especially when you consider what those five games are. Uh, Missouri State is no big deal. But after that, the rest of the games are Tennessee, Army, Baylor, and Texas. So four of their toughest games are going to be without one of their best defensive players. So that may present an opportunity for Reggie Grimes. I'm not saying he's going to start from the jump. Um, I, I think that LaRon Stokes and Jalen Redmond, I think they'll do the same thing that they did in the Peach Bowl, and those two guys will will be the starters in, in those two positions. But Reggie Grimes certainly gives them some depth there maybe that they wouldn't have otherwise had. Now the question is, is he ready to play? And a lot of times you just don't know that till they get on campus.
0: You're absolutely right. I think um, he's got a chance, and you talked about the depth chart, how that's important. And I would be remissed, by the way, if I didn't say uh – I can feel my. I could tell later in the day after this recording, I'd be upset with myself if I didn't say how ridiculous it was for Perkins to be suspended five games, additionally on top of of the Peach Bowl last year. Uh, it just well, feels like it's a an unnecessary punishment. And I, and I and I've heard and read you on this matter as well.
1: I was gonna say, well, I think I think everyone <laughs> probably knows how I feel about it. Um, the thing that he was suspended for is something that's legal in the state of Oklahoma. But uh, I, I also understand the people that say rules are rules, and you know I I get that. The problem is it's a dumb rule, and it shouldn't be a rule. And he certainly, you know, one game. I mean, the punishment he has already faced is much stronger than what it should have been. So why can't he just, you know, I don't know what if he was suspended for the most important game of the season, in which he had to watch his team get utterly humiliated. I think the man has paid a steep enough price for doing something that's legal.
0: Yes, you are one hundred percent spot on. I wish there was a way um, to to appeal that and, and win in expedited fashion, but here we are. And you, it's February uh, and we're still talking about it. And I have a yeah. feeling that we're going to be talking about it as, as Oklahoma kicks off its its twenty twenty campaign in September without Perkins on the field. Yeah, hey, one, it, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Real quick, I just got. Are you a Parks and Recs fan?
0: Yes, certainly am.
1: So this is like uh, Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt when he'd go. Chris would say, God, I wish there was something we could do. Ben, is there anything we can do? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's
0: a great show. Uh, Leslie Knope and, and Ron Swanson, I think, two of the, the greatest characters in oh my uh, God. television sitcom it. history.
1: Yes. Uh, I, I, I contend, and I've been in many Twitter arguments, that it's better than The Office. It's made a lot of people mad, but, you know, whatever. I stand I, by I,
0: it. I don't think that's that hot of a take. I think both shows are, are really freaking good. And I, I think Steve Carell is just like, is a polarizing actor. He's a polarizing figure. He's a great comedian. And, and he, he's put that show on his back. Because what happened when, when, when Steve Carell left The Office,
1: Jason? I don't know. I stopped watching it. So Yes. Yeah.
0: I rest my case. <laughs> uh, as far as Alex Grinch is concerned, um, and this Oklahoma defense, though, part of the reason why I read your stories, by the way, is because I'm looking for little nuggets, little details that are that are very interesting that that maybe you wouldn't know unless you follow you know the Sooners as closely as you do. Um, and I'm talking about the the defensive backs because, listen, Jason, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bookley, Rally Hiles. Don't get me wrong, but When I watch him play defense, I go, man, that guy's small. And it's tough to play corner. It's tough to be in the secondary when you're under six feet. And Oklahoma, uh, they are getting bigger at that position. The average size uh, of the defensive backs in this class is six feet, 1.5 inches. right? And the players who have entered the transfer portal, their size on average is five foot 11. So, what you're doing is you're upgrading upgrading by two and a half inches. Now, that might sound like not a lot, but I think that could make a big difference.
1: Yeah, it should. I mean, we're taught, you know, OU went through a period with Mike Stoops where they were recruiting smaller DBs. Now, I don't know. If that was what they necessarily like were looking for, if that was by design, it's very strange. I mean, because the other thing is, we're not talking about guys who were, you know, three star. Uh, well, in some cases, we were talking about guys who were three star. Take a chance on them. But we're also talking about um, Buki Radley Hiles, who was a five star kid, one of the top ranked recruits in the country. We're talking about Justin Broyles out of Oklahoma City, who I believe was a top one hundred national recruit. And those guys are small and. Uh, and and they're you know, it's been, in Broyle's case, we saw how he couldn't keep up speed-wise. So, I mean, they the, the, uh, with LSU. So, uh, for some, for whatever reason, OU has not recruited these big guys, and that is clear that Alex Grinch is making the bigger DBs a priority. Uh, you, you just look up and down the list. Bryson Washington is a big guy. Kendall Dennis is a tall guy. Joshua Eaton is a tall cornerback. These are not. Uh, you know, they are getting guys who are at least six feet tall. And, uh, I, I'd really be interested to know the reasons why they weren't prioritizing size before or how it is that in these recruiting rankings, you, these, these small DBs who now we look at and we're like, Oh God, they're so small. What are they doing at a place like Oklahoma? Well, these guys had offers from everybody. So why are they even ranked that high? Why Why are they so hyped up? Why did OU offer them in the first place? These are all questions that I don't understand. I, I don't think I – I don't think I, – I don't know if I'm just not smart enough to understand it or uh, if these particular guys just haven't worked out, but it's obvious what Alex Grinch is prioritizing.
0: You know, as we're talking about defense right now, I think it's a good time to – to ask a question posed by Harry L. in the comments section of your recruiting piece that dropped on Friday. And that is, quote, please explain why LSU can sign dominant defensive players and OU struggles only to get a few. LSU doesn't win the national championship without that elite defense. Interesting question. And uh, you saw it play out on the field in the Peach Bowl, and even though LSU, the spotlight was shined on that offense, the defense was pretty darn good too.
1: Yeah, the LSU defense was <laughs> was extremely underrated in the lead up to that Peach Bowl. Uh, yeah. We we need to be clear about that. It was like, oh well, their defense isn't that good. Oh, they were pretty good. They were pretty good. Um, well, I think I think there's a lot of reasons that things like that happen. I think that we are uh, now, what, 15 years into a college football world where the SEC is utterly dominant and they win most of the national championships, and they they send the most kids to the NFL, especially on the defensive side. And that's a long time. That's a lot of years where kids have had that beaten into them, that the SEC is where you go if you want to go to the NFL, right? I mean, if you want to play defense in the NFL. Yes. So... I think that absolutely plays into it. Even if they say that it doesn't, somewhere in their heads, they've been hearing for years that the SEC is the dominant conference, which it has been. Let's, I mean, I'm not going to deny that, that it has been. But, but I think that's, that's absolutely part of it. Um, I think the other part of it is that for whatever reason, the South produces a lot of really great athletes, and those kids tend to stay in the South. And uh, it, it's hard for OU to dip into the state of Louisiana, the state of Alabama, and even the state of Mississippi and pull out the kids that LSU and Alabama and Auburn want. It's just hard. And uh, especially big difference-making defensive tackles, nose guards, those types of difference-making players up front, Come, most of them come from the South, and OU has had a hard time uh, pulling them out or getting into that market So if OU Is recruiting Texas heavily And they don't get the one or two guys That they want out of there Maybe they go to Texas Maybe they go to Texas A&M um, Then they're left with You know with what they get So I, I think that is a huge part of it And then I also think The other side of that is Defensive players Why would they want to go play in the Big 12? Why, what has the Big 12 done in the last five or six, seven years, to make a, a an elite defensive player, especially who's already from the South, choose Oklahoma over, um, you know, over Alabama or LSU. I mean, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's part of it too. So that is a that is a trend. That is a years long trend that Alex Grinch has to fight against and has to overcome. And it's not gonna be easy, but you know, perhaps Reggie Grimes was a was a step in the right direction. He had a lot of SEC offers. And when I asked him why he chose Oklahoma, one of his reasons, and this is a kid from the South, one of the things he told me was that he he wants to be part remembered as part of the group that turned it around. And I think that is the best pitch that they have right now is you can be remembered forever. Because the truth is um the names on the two thousand OU team, uh, who who won the national championship after a decade of misery in Norman, those are named those are household names, and they weren't even necessarily all of them great great college players. But I mean, who you remember uh, Ante Jones? You remember Josh Heupel? You remember um, Antoine Savage and Josh Norman? and uh you know one after the other you remember those names and OU is not mired in misery that they have been um that they were in the 90s i'm not saying that they've been they've won the big 12 they've been to the playoff but on the defensive side if you can be the group that changes that you're going to be a legend
0: and there's a couple different pipelines that Alex Grinch can use and one obviously is going to high schools finding talent and bringing them to Oklahoma another pipeline that that great programs use and and do so very effectively and efficiently is the junior college transfer pipeline and on the defensive side of football especially up front you talk about how potentially Perry Winfrey the number one junior college recruit in the nation could make an impact on that defensive line as well.
1: Well, Perry on Winfrey is going to have to because uh, they don't have much else when it comes to nose guards. They, lo- they lose all three of the guys uh, in Neville Gallimore, Marquez Overton, and Dylan Fahmatow, who all uh, contributed last year, who rotated in at that position. They bring back no one who has played much uh, at nose guards. So he's going to have to do it. And the problem is for OU when it comes to JUCOs, Juco's are so hit or miss and you're right. The best programs use those things efficiently. They, they are selective when Mm -hmm. it comes to junior college because Juco guys are risky. They just are. They're very risky. You never know how they're going to work out. OU fans will probably be really will riot in the streets that I mention his name, but Quincy Russell, does anybody remember Quincy Russell? This guy was, was supposed to be the savior, a defensive tackle, uh, i think it was 2013 i want to say 2013 yeah it was 2013 he was supposed to be the savior at defensive tackle he was supposed to be the guy that was going to come in and he was going to be this excellent amazing player and it turned out he wasn't very good uh he couldn't adapt to the to ou and he got kicked off the team eventually so um i'm not saying that that's going to happen to perry and winfrey i'm just saying that Chuko guys are risky um for every uh, Marquis Hollywood Brown, there are like 10 Quincy Russells. So you have to be really careful.
0: All you have to do is that, that may
1: be a slight exaggeration, but you know what I mean.
0: No, I know exactly what you mean. And all you have to do is watch Last Chance You, And you can get a snapshot into what junior college football is like. There's reasons why these kids are playing junior college football and some some of those reasons are because of personal issues some of those reasons are because of academic issues other reasons of course come up as well but you've got to do your due diligence and hey he's ranked number one so first and foremost it's great for Alex Grinch to be able to add that depth on the line if you are going to rely on if Oklahoma is going to rely on him maybe there's a chance that he has a great season maybe there's a chance that, that Grimes plays really well as a true freshman and and Grinch takes a even bigger step in year number two on that defensive side of the football. I want to go over to the offensive side of the football and let's stay in the trenches and let's talk about a bright spot, the offensive line, a place where, quite frankly, a lot of football games are won and Lincoln Riley is stockpiling talent, Jason.
1: Yeah, I mean... uh, the OU offensive line has been so good for so many years, and I know that last year it wasn't as good as it was the year before. A lot of new starters and and uh, uh, not not a ton of really quality experience depth last year, but I think they took some steps in the right direction last year. They're bringing back four starters, all extremely talented guys. So, um, But, yeah, they, they really sort of reinforced the depth for years to come, signing five guys, four of which were four-star Prospects all ranked very high. Um, You know Nate Anderson, uh, you know out of Texas. Uh, Andrew Rame out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, a kid that uh, was committed then decommitted that they got back. He was so important that they signed Andrew Rame. Um, You know you're looking at guys, and it sort of reminds me of a couple years ago when they signed Tyrese Robinson and they signed uh, Creed Humphrey and some of those guys um you know they're they're sort of re, restocking it up and and Bill Biedenbow I think, is probably one of, if not the best offensive line coaches in the country. Um, especially now that Sam Pittman is a head coach. I think Sam Pittman was sort of viewed in, in that role and now he has the uh, the unbelievably uh, not envious task of trying to rebuild. Uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, but uh, Bill Biedenbow is, is is an excellent coach. He's a good recruiter, and they really, really did a great job. And uh, when it comes to offensive line recruiting this time, I mean, you're just up and down that list. You're looking at really talented guys. Two out of the Washington D.C. area. They've really, uh, you know, gotten themselves into into that part of the country. That's impressive. That's where that's where Parnell Motley came from, uh, who I, I think, by all accounts, had a really nice senior season. So. Uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're, they're doing some interesting things. But offensive line, I think, was the bright spot of the class.
0: I'll tell you what. If, if you can find success recruiting in the, the Baltimore, Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, I, I mean, that means you're a heck of a recruiter because that's a crowded neighborhood. There's a ton of programs that go down into that part of the country, specifically from the Big Ten, and I'm talking about power programs like Ohio State. Um, where they found a guy like Chase Young uh, out of that area. So to be able to go in there and, and get prospects um, for Oklahoma, a place that's pretty far away from that area of the country, is impressive. Why, why is that? Is there a reason why that put the pipelines there? Or um, d- has there been a change of philosophy to get out there and, and recruit kids from, from that area? How did that come about? Do you know?
1: I don't really uh, n- know how that happened. It might be I mean, maybe, maybe, tried- maybe a story
0: idea? How Oklahoma has maybe. been able to penetrate that area of the country? I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, the the interesting thing is they've been a uh, they've tried to be a national program now for several years. That's why they've gone into California. It's why um, you know they've dipped into Tennessee. I mean, you talk about Reggie Grimes. Last year they signed Woody Washington out of Murfreesboro. So they are uh, they're they're trying to to. To dip into a lot of different markets. And you kind of have to do that when you're Oklahoma, when you're a national brand, but your home state doesn't produce the talent that uh, that maybe, you know, they, they can in Alabama and Georgia and LSU. You have to become that national sort of program you have to go to California. You have to go uh, to wherever you can find guys. And so I think that's probably part of it. They don't have the recruiting home base that some other places do. And, and the place that maybe you would consider their recruiting home base is Texas. And within the state of Texas, they have to recruit against the likes of uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor. Um, uh, Baylor now, you know, Oklahoma State dips into Texas. Uh, LSU recruits in Texas So uh, They they kind of have to do that
0: Let's wrap by talking about The wide receiver position C.D. Lamb It's gone Hollywood Brown It's gone It's been a A bright spot Along with that offensive line Over the last three Four years In Norman uh, a, a transfer Is coming in from 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 Marshall And Um how do you pronounce his name here? Obi, Obialo? Is that what we're going to go with? I think that sounds right.
1: <laughs> you know, before we started recording, you were awfully cocky that you had it right. So now, now you're questioning it?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I was just, I mean, it, it rolls off the tongue. It's a great name. It's one of the best names in college football.
1: It's a good name. It's a good name. But yeah, they bring him in. I was a little surprised by that. Now they bring in Theo Howard from UCLA, uh, and he was a transfer at the semester, And, uh, you know, I I thought, you know, I mean, with all the guys they're bringing back, with Charleston Rambo, Theo Weiss, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, Trajan Bridges, who, like Ronnie Perkins, is probably going to miss the first five games, but they're still bringing back a lot of really talented receivers, and so I was a little surprised to see them Dip into that uh, market. I'll be interested to see if they use uh, Obi in the way that uh, you know. Maybe if he's a guy that they try to use the way they use Lee Morris and Grant Calcaterra. That's a that's a position that uh, they're going to be kind of thin at. They you know Calcaterra retires due to concussions. Lee Morris is gone uh, because of graduation. And so the only two guys they have back will be Austin Stogner, who's a true sophomore who um, you know played a lot last year but maybe didn't catch a lot of passes last year, and uh, and Jalen Conyers, a, a true freshman who won't be here until the summer. Speaking of Jalen Conyers, we're going to have a big story about him coming out tomorrow. Uh, he is from the Texas Panhandle, and uh, uh, I got to go hang out in that uh, very, very rural Uh, part of the country uh, a couple weeks ago so I'm really looking forward to that story coming out but the point is uh, I'll be interested to see where they plug him in and he won't be here until the summer OB won't be here until the summer so we'll have to sort of see where he fits but he's a he's an intriguing guy he come he came from Marshall but he started his career at Oklahoma State
0: wow how many times you see a guy play for both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma
1: I don't know. I actually thought about that, about that's something I need to look up because I'm sure it doesn't happen very often if it's ever happened. There have been plenty of guys who were recruited by both or who flipped from one to the other. Uh, None more memorable than Ryan Broyles, who, John, you probably don't remember this, but, you know, Ryan Broyles uh, flipped his commitment between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State like five times before signing day. So... And I think the night before, he had recommitted to Oklahoma State and told them he was coming, and then he sent his letter of intent to OU. So it's a fascinating uh, – that's a fascinating story. But uh, but there are a lot of guys uh, that, that, that you know, kind of went back and forth. But, uh, but I don't know about actually physically played for both teams.
0: Man, we've come up with a couple good story ideas during this podcast, and uh, my going rate right is um, about – what is it uh, 10 bucks a story so I'll, I'll send you my Venmo request after after we wrap up here today
1: <laughs> Well fair enough fair enough. Um, I, I've,
0: I've got a couple questions for you one is and, and it, one is from a, a reader by the name of Carl B and I've got a question that I want to ask you that's a little bit offbeat and I want to share some breaking news with you live here as we are on the podcast and let's start there Oh, god! and that is Pete Thamel okay. is reporting that Luke Fickle has decided to stay at Cincinnati after interviewing for Michigan State on Sunday and talking it over with his family he elected to stay put that's breaking now as we're recording this show so I thought it'd be good to get
1: your reaction to that Uh, I'm a little bit surprised. (laughs) I, I, you know, you don't see guys turn down those sorts of, uh, uh, you know, power five jobs when they're at a group of five school very often. So, um, I don't know if that says more about what he's got at Cincinnati or about Michigan state. I was very uh, surprised by, by the news out of Michigan state, uh, last week, Mark D'Antonio has almost, has kind of become an institution there. And I was really surprised See him step away when he did, you know, day before signing day. That was a little bit odd. Um, I know that Bob Stoops have decided an odd time, but it wasn't the day before signing day. So uh, interesting. I don't know what I don't know where they go then if they don't have him or the the guy at Pitt whose name is this Pat Narduzzi. Who's this? Yeah. So I don't know where you go after those two. Uh,
0: me neither. And you know, last week I, I I had tweeted and I truly believe this that if if mission Mich- i feel like michigan state is in an incredibly vulnerable position i i think that if they can't hire a competent head coach based on the neighborhood that they're in right now in the big 10 east i mean that program has a chance to just completely fall off the face of the earth and you know what's interesting and this might be a good trivia question you know Michigan State's the only other Big Ten program beh- besides Ohio State that's been to the college football playoff.
1: I know. I, th- I know. And it's so easy to forget about that.
0: I think we're going to look back at that years from now and say, how the hell did that happen? And Mark D'Antonio will be really remembered.
1: It happened because uh, they they somehow knocked off Ohio State that year, didn't they? Didn't they beat Ohio State that year? Yes. In, yes. In, in, yeah, I, th- and I think they, they beat and, them
0: in the shoe on a last-second field goal, if yeah. I remember correctly. and. The,
1: and then they held off uh, Iowa in the Big Ten title game and then just got, you know. Yeah, I was, I was at the Cotton Bowl in that, the, that, in, that day in where, where Bowl, Alabama yeah.
0: um, took him behind the woodshed and, and said, hey, you got no business <laughs> being here.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. That is interesting, though, that they, that they have been to the college football playoff and Michigan hasn't and Penn State hasn't, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's uh, sort of interesting. Very
0: interesting. Absolutely is. And i want to ask you this question by Carl B. Uh, speaking of Alabama and the SEC, um, and it's in regards to the Peach Bowl. I'm sorry to bring that up, OU fans. Uh, after another SEC beatdown, I finally accepted that SEC football is a tier or two better than the Big 12. And that includes OU's offensive line. Outside of the first half versus Georgia – OU's line has been dominated, particularly this year's crew, slow with limited athleticism. Not optimistic that this class will be different. What's your reaction to that?
1: Um. Well, look, it's. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, what, what you're saying is what he's, what Carl is saying is correct. The OU offensive line has not played great. In these bowl games, uh, in these playoff games against SEC teams, Alabama last year against a really, really good offensive line, and LSU this year. I mean, um, it, it's it's hard to argue with it. And and God, I you know I don't want to make excuses for them, but I guess I would say that one one factor is that they do not see that level of defensive line in the Big Twelve. So you go an entire season of not seeing that level of defensive line and then and look, and I know Baylor had a really good defensive line last year. It wasn't an LSU defensive line. and so uh you know you, you go an entire year without seeing that and then it sort of knocks you over in the playoff because I, I think that absolutely is is part of it. Now, is that the whole reason? I don't know. Um, those are still really good offensive lines. I still think this class they signed is really, really good. Um, but the Big 12 as a whole is just going to have to get better because the teams are not prepared for what they see in the playoff. That much is obvious. I, I think that's
0: a great take on it and, and a, a great answer for Carl. And experience is important. It's like getting hit in the mouth if you haven't dealt with that all season long and all of a sudden you got to play against some of the best defensive lines in the now, country.
1: Now, John, I do have to say, though, that the natural response that Carl may have, I'm sure he's a smart guy. He probably already figured this out in the time we've been talking about it. The ACC sucks, too, and Clemson seems to come in ready to rock in the playoffs. So, you know, I, and you know what? I i answered my own question, and I don't have an answer yeah, for it. Yeah, so don't
0: I, retort yourself, Jason. You, don't, you know, it's like just <laughs> <laughs> let, Carl, let Carl get back into the yeah. comment section. And, and have okay. his, his, his reply. Uh, the last thing I want to do yeah. today is, is ask you an offbeat question. And I'm going to try my best at this. What did you think about the XFL?
1: <laughs> Am I a terrible OU beat writer or football fan or football writer if I say I did not watch one second of it? Oh, come on, man. You didn't even watch Bob I, Stoops' I, debut? I didn't. I didn't, and it wasn't really for any reason. I don't know. I just didn't feel like it. I, I don't know. I maybe maybe that's a bad thing to admit, but uh, no, are you can me? It's not your I job.
0: I, I I was just, <laughs> I half joking and sort of tongue and cheek, if if you will. Um, it's it's remarkable to me. Let me just tell you a couple things about the XFL, right? I, I watched some some action and there's recognizable names there's guys who who played college football at a very high level who are in the league so from that point it's interesting and some other leagues like the AAF I mean you were talking about washed up guys who were out there who have had time in the NFL to me this league felt like it was younger you know what I like most about it for me when you have it when you when you when you have a competition I need to know what's at stake and when you have a new league, it's like, what are they really playing for? And you know what they're playing for? Every game, these guys are guaranteed about $1,200 a week, right? And you know what happens when they win? They get an extra $2,000. And is that worth playing for? Absolutely it is. And you could tell that that winning meant something to these group of guys because an extra $2,000 in your bank account, that's nothing To just overlook. I mean, that's worth playing for. So I thought that was fun, that part of the league, and they've had some rule changes that are interesting. And and who knows? You know how these new leagues work. Big time ratings, week one, fall off a cliff, week two. So I'm I'm going to be interested to follow this story to see if it goes the way of every other secondary league for the history of time.
1: Well. And that's the reason maybe I didn't watch it. Look, I love football. It's my, you know, football is a big part of my life, obviously. You, say, you don't but, say. But like, you know, when the Super Bowl's over, I unwind from football a little bit. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel the like desire that, oh my God, I miss football so much. I need it right now. I need it a week later. I don't know. I just, it's almost like I wish they'd waited an extra week. After the Super Bowl, like I don't I, I don't understand why they had to jump in one week after the Super Bowl, you know, um, and, and I think it's a reason I've never really gotten into any of these uh, other leagues that they've tried. I didn't watch any AAF last year. I didn't watch any of it and because I just wasn't interested in it and um, I don't know if I'm different than other people and that uh, other people are. If you're into it, I think that's awesome and I probably will watch the XFL as it moves on. But this first week, yeah, I just, I just honestly, a, I honestly kind of forgot Sunday about it. And then the afternoon. other, the other part of it too is I had to go Bob to a Stoops. baby shower he's yesterday. 0-1. So, he's made yeah. his
0: return to football, but Good he's times. not on the, the winning side. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna follow that. And um, it's it's been a pleasure being with you back on the show today, Jason. Yeah. It has. I've enjoyed yeah. talking to you. I think we've gone long just because uh, we haven't had a chance to catch up in a while. Yeah. Tell tell us where uh, you we can find your work, and if you're not an Athletic subscriber, tell us where um, you can become one.
1: Yeah, just uh, you know the uh, theathletic. dot slash the outside world. Uh, you can get uh, a forty percent off subscription for I'll a talk year. to you soon, Jason. It's good and, to see you. Man, know, read man. all of our stuff. You can read my OU stuff, but also you know, depend- whatever pro team you're a fan of. If you're a fan of UK soccer, we got you covered.